0: We're blowing it up on
1: Bass Edge Radio. That's right. Bass Edge Radio is brought to you and presented by MegaWare KeelGuard, protecting your boat from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com.
0: And don't forget, Bass Edge Nation, it's so easy. You can get that thing from anywhere and slap it right under your watercraft and be ready to roll. No harmful rocks, no road debris. KeelGuard.com, bringing you the best products in the marine industry. And now it's time for Bass Edge Radio. Let's continue on and get another blow up.
2: In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios.
1: Well, Kurt. In my part of the country, it is still a little chilly, and I am going to kind of continue that theme, because guess where I'm headed? I'm going to go do a little snow skiing here in a few days.
0: Nice, brother. I'm getting to the age. I can't snow ski where the dang, man. I got to we'll see you next time. I'm going to flare up, swell up, pop off if I get out there on that freaking snow. But I used to love some snow skiing. It sounds like some fun. Maybe you could drag me behind you. I'll sit in a tube. How about that?
1: Hey, there you go. You know, a <laughs> uh, snowmobile, and we could do some uh, snow skiing redneck style that's it i'll be down with that i would
0: really like to go actually aaron but man i tell you what it has been a crazy time of year for me this is busier than fishing season of course you know during the fishing season you're on the water you know worrying about catching bass right now you're worried about boat wraps truck wraps jerseys all kinds of good stuff going on but uh, hey I kurt, tell, kurt um, yeah.
1: i just gotta tell you most of our audience doesn't feel sorry for us right now
0: <laughs> you're probably right but hey you know, it's a tough life. Somebody's got to live. It's right. right. It's reality, right? <laughs> it is. It is reality. The reality of it is, really, Aaron, is that I'm the scheduler. I'm the accountant. I'm the angler. I'm the marketing guru. I am everything. You, you are a glor- you are
1: do. a glorified truck driver that gets to haul bass boats around for a little
0: I am. I am. I have eaten a lot of bugs. My windshield has eaten a lot of bugs. But uh, I, I, here here's my deal. My windshield is going to eat a lot of bugs this year. Running Dixie Electric logo, Aaron. Nah. That's My new title sponsor, yeah. So they were an associate sponsor for me last year, Dixie Electric. They moved into the title slot. Man, I can't be more happy I'm doing a lot of uh, promo trips with those guys. Going to be flying their flag all over the United States uh, from California to New York this year. And I've been doing a little pre-practice, so uh, I'm getting ready for the season. Took a look at Sabine River already. Ventured over to Arizona, where you were recently. Just dialing in the Havasu over there. So uh, So what
1: are you seeing? Like, what are you looking? for when you go into this this pre-practice mode? I mean, are you making a cast or are you just looking around? Talk to me about that. I'm mostly just looking
0: around. I don't want a whole lot of preconceived notions. I'm only going to pre-practice four events this year and all the events I'm pre-practicing are places I have never been or spent very little time at or they're very complex. So that's why I'm going to uh, Sabine River, which I've already been to. Just did Lake Havasu. Going to go out to the California Delta in March. Actually, we're going to meet an old bass edger out there, Chris Ball. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, the guy that jumps off the front of the boat (laughs) on a bet,
0: Cannonball Man. We're going to go see Cannonball Man, and then the only other place I'm going to pre-practice this year is uh, Chesapeake Bay. You know what I'm doing out there is really just taking a look, understanding, you know, how to get around, what areas of the lake probably look pretty good for the time of year that we're going to be there. That way, when I only have my three days of practice, and really, it happens we only have two days of practice, so very important there. But I can run around and not have to worry about how to get somewhere. I'm running there, trying to find the. Fish, looking at techniques and tactics rather than navigational stuff.
1: That's the beauty of technology that we have. And of course, we're talking about electronics and, you know, the Lorance and, and all the technology that they bring us. But you're going to have a lot of those routes and trails and waypoints and, you know, all of those different things that you probably already have saved.
0: You're exactly right. We've got stuff from places in the past or friends. So we're always looking to try and get some general information so we can get out there and, and make it happen real quick once we hit the water. Talking about making it happen real quick, you know, we started this new. Segment from ProtectTheHarvest.com pro tips. They're making a lot of anglers a lot better, real quick. Right after this message, we're gonna hit the next pro tip. This is FLW Cup Co-angler Champ Brian News.
3: Stay right here with Bass Edge Radio.
2: First by land, and now by sea.
0: Today's pro tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Identifying fish locations with FLW and Lucas Oil Pro, Bill McDonald.
1: What structure or cover are you looking for when identifying pre-spawn bass locations? As those
3: fish start back, I'm looking for a channel swing, you know, on a secondary creek back there. And looking for that difference in, in the water depth right there, whether it's channel swing or just a little ridge back there. And it's a place where they can stage up before they actually shoot all the way back into the bushes or into the grass, whichever circumstance on the lake that you're fishing there. And, and I think if you look for those, you're going to catch a few more fish.
1: Well, there you have it, Bass Edge Nation. Thanks, Bill. That's your ProtectTheHarvest.com Pro Tip of the Week, keeping our traditions alive for future generations.
3: To Fisher came together
2: with one agenda to construct bass boats superior
3: in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride
2: extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just
3: building a boat we're building a legend legend boats this is Bass Fishing Hall of Famer Darrell Allen, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kirk.
0: All right, Bass Edge Nation, here we go. It's the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This angler has literally done it all. Probably best known by bass fishing enthusiasts as the master of jig fishing,
3: Bass Edge Radio welcomes Denny Brower. Thanks for being on the show today, Denny. I appreciate you guys having me on. Bass Edge Radio has got a great reputation, and I'm excited to be part of it today.
1: Denny, we're glad to have you, and certainly, uh, as I like to call you, the godfather of bass fishing. But uh, it seems like yesterday, really only a few years back, that we had the opportunity to share a boat on Bass Edge Season Three down in the Louisiana, and you probably, like I, remember that uh, fishing was extremely tough. It was hot, no wind, but like the pro you are, he made a uh, help us put together a very educational and ended up making a great show.
3: Yeah, that, that was a challenging filming session. You know, sometimes it goes easy and sometimes it doesn't. And we were presented with some conditions there where it was extremely hot and humid. You know, it can get that way down there in that delta, that's for sure. But I think we were on the backside of a hurricane that had really uh, devastated the fishery and there weren't a whole lot of fish to be caught. And uh, we kind of made the best of a bad situation. And I kind of enjoy those tough scenarios now and then, but that was almost taking it to the extreme.
1: <laughs> Boy, it was, did he? It was- it was, and, and you know, you're exactly right. But the reality is, it is kind of reality TV because uh, a lot of times, you know, when you only have a weekend to pick from or maybe a vacation that you got to try and squeeze in when you get to go fishing, sometimes you're going to be dealt that hand.
3: Yeah, that's the reality of fishing. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, they'll watch a TV show or something and they'll go, Boy, this is the way we should catch them every time we go out there. And it just doesn't work that way. Real life scenario, you're dealing with a lot of different changing weather conditions and lake conditions, and there's some days they're just really hard to catch. But in hey, bass fishing, that's just always been part of the challenge of the sport is figuring them out and knowing that each day presents a different set of problems, so to speak.
0: Yeah, Denny, it seems like you have been one of the very few individuals that can overcome those challenges throughout your entire career. A uh, matter of fact, as most people know, since you retired, supposedly <laughs> retired back in uh, 2012, <laughs> you won two more huge events. You capitalized on an FLW Rayovac over at Toledo Bend, and then, of course, uh, as probably probably the hottest show on TV right now. You won an event in New York with Major League Fishing. No surprise, both of those wins coming by your aficionado of technique flipping and pitching. What gives, buddy? I mean, does it ever end? Tell me.
3: Well, th- those are techniques that I think allow you to win when the conditions are right. And uh, early in my career, I just kind of looked at the sport and I decided if I was going to make a living in the sport and develop name recognition or maybe some of the sponsors that want to associate With me, I was going to have to win advance. And analyzing the history of the sport, it just seemed like a lot of big fish had been caught on jigs, and the flipping technique was new, and it was a technique where you could present a jig to heavy cover where bass lived. So I just kind of adapted that as my favorite technique when it would be right for it. And luckily, those two tournaments, the Toledo Band Rayovac and the New York tournament we had up there with uh, Major League Fishing, it was a perfect scenario. Cover-wise, watercolor-wise, just everything set up perfect for me to use those techniques. And anytime you can fish your strength, whether, as you well know, you'd love to drop shot and do things like that, if you can go to your strength, you're just a better angler. You're really not fishing against the full field because, say, there's 100 contestants in the tournament. There are only maybe 10 guys that are as good a drop shotter as you are, so you're not really fishing against 100 guys. So when it gets right for drop shot, and your odds really go up of winning that event. And it's kind of the same way in flipping and pitching. And for me, if we get the right conditions for those techniques, I don't really feel that i got that many guys to beat as I like, go out and do my job.
1: Well, speaking of your strengths, you know, being the flipping and pitching, let's get right to the business end of that. And that's specifically talking about jigs that you have developed with uh, Strike King, and that is the Strike King Structure Jig. Can you explain kind of that new head design and some of the advantages of fishing the Structure Jig?
3: Yeah, I've been fortunate to be with Strike King virtually my whole career designing jigs for and we sat down uh, last year and really tried to figure out how we could make a better mousetrap for fishing deep. Uh, We've got the football jig, the tour grade football jig. You know, it does a tremendous job. It's a a great bait for feeling the bottom, but the inherent issue with football jigs is when the fish jumps and shakes his head, it's a little bit easier for a fish to throw that jig than other styles of jigs, and it also does not fish real good in woody type cover. So that kind of is what triggered the start of the structure jig. And I also wanted a jig that would come through grass, good deep hydrilla, something I could fish out on the structure. And whether it was uh, you know brush piles down there, trees down there, whether it was hydrilla down there, that I could get that jig in and out of that cover. But yet it was something that would hook and hold a high percentage of bass, which is your goal. Because in jig fishing, there's some days you're not going to get a lot of bites, so you got to capitalize on every one of them. So the head design is very important. We've got a, what we call a cobra style head. We've got a hook deep design that opens up the gap a little bit more to where it's almost like using a straight shank worm hook. You get just a lot better hook penetration, which is very important when you're fishing deep. This year, we actually come out with it in the baby structure jig. We now got it in quarter and three eighths, where the guys that like to use a little bit more of a finesse presentation have a high integrity jig to fish there. But the main structure jig, we got it in a half, three quarter and one ounce. And gosh, we got it in nine different colors. So the anglers have a lot of options. Sounds like uh, maybe slightly
0: inspired by time spent here at Amistad with the deep hydrilla, a lot of brush in the water. Sounds like right down the alley. For, for hey, the hey, lake.
1: now, Kurt, he's he's yeah. originally from Missouri, so I get to <laughs> claim him first. Now, just because he moves down there to retire by you doesn't...
3: <laughs> well, you know? r- Kurt, Kurt, Kurt is actually right, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> lake Amistad is what inspired uh, the whole deal because we do fish a lot of jigs really deep here, and not only is it very important to be able to get hook penetration when you got a jig down there 30, 40 feet, but you've got to get it through that cover. If you can't get it in and out of the cover, you're not going to fish it. Your people get frustrated, you know, spending a lot of money on baits and continually losing them. So this is a lot more angler-friendly of a presentation, and it's just been a tremendous home run. Strike King has just sold a ton of structured jigs, and I'm sure will continue to because the one thing, they catch fish, and the anglers like how they fish. For
0: sure. I think, too, you need to find such a spot within the spot these days, even if you go to, you know, any of the TVA Lakes, Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of people dropping brush and, and doing a lot of things that that really will enhance a ledge, and and this type of jig is, is really critical to have to be able to get through, like you mentioned, Denny, through that wooded cover and be able to hook and keep those fish on more frequently than the football-style jig, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about some plastic trailers for deep water jigging. We hear a lot of times, you know, anglers have specific cold water trailers that differ from maybe their warm water trail. What's your thought process on trailers for your deep water jig
3: fishing? I agree with those anglers. I think when the water does get cold, and I've always kind of classified cold water as 55 degrees and colder. The clearer the water, I think the more active fish will be in a colder water scenario. So in a super clear lake, you can almost take that 55 degrees and turn it down to 50. And in a cold, muddy lake, it's almost 60 degrees when it can get tough. But when you get that cold water scenario, you do not want a lot of action in your trailer. And a a trailer that I use a lot, obviously, in warm water is the striking rage crawl or the rage chunk, which has even a little bit wider action. Those are tremendous when the metabolism of the fish is high and the water is warm. But in cold water, you do not want all that water displacement. You do not want those high-pressure waves being put out by a bait, so you need to tone it down. And you can do that by using a chunk-style trailer. At Striking, of course, we've got the Denny Broward chunk, which is made out of that 3X material where the legs will float high. We've got the KVD chunk that's made out of the perfect plastic. And another trailer that I'll use a lot in cold water is the the db crawl a new soft plastic that uh, we came out with it is a little more subtle action than what the rage crawl is so the biggest thing for anglers is to tone down the action in cold water and slow down the presentation itself in other words move it a little slower across the bottom keep contact with the bottom with your jig do not get into hopping it off the bottom there as much as you would in warm water.
1: Denny, you know, you talk a lot about trailers there and some great advice. What about as far as the colors? For instance, take the trailer bearing your namesake, the DB Craw. At what point does color become a help or a hindrance or just neutral where it doesn't have an impact
3: at all? I think most of the time it is pretty important. There's some days it's extremely important. Obviously, when the bite's red hot, it probably doesn't matter. The fish are going to eat the bait no matter what color it is. I've seen some pretty ugly things get uh, hammered over the days. But uh, (laughs) the the bottom line is when I'm fishing a jig, I always want the trailer to match the jig. I don't want it cut in half horizontally because I don't see a lot of things swimming in the water that are that way. So in other words, I'm not going to have a dark colored jig with a light colored trailer or anything like that. I want it to blend together. Now, say you got a black and blue jig. That gives you two options. You can have a black trailer, or you can have a blue trailer. So you can mix it up that way, but always try to tie it together color-wise. And color, to me, is always determined by two things. The water clarity and the sky conditions. And uh, water clarity is number one. You know, the clearer the water, the more natural colors you need to use. Like your green pumpkins, your watermelon, your watermelon red, those type of colors. Dirty water, we got a color called Texas crawfish. It's got a little chartreuse in it. That's a good dirty water choice. And black and blue to me is the all-around color. Yeah, I like to use it in that stained water, slightly stained, but it's still a good color in clear water and it's a good color in muddy water. So I think that's why the popularity of black and blue has been so high over the years. But another thing to keep in mind is the sky conditions, light penetration. On a bright day, a lot of times you're using a lighter tone color like a green pumpkin. Say the wind comes up or it clouds up, you may need to go to a darker color like a black and blue. So I make those adjustments during the day, color wise.
0: Man, that's good stuff. I feel like a sponge, man. The water's just seeping out and I'm just sucking it in. <laughs> <I> <laughs> it's, a lot,
3: it's a lot of good stuff right there. Denny,
0: let's talk again. We mentioned the DB Crawl is, is a trailer for the uh, structure jig and something that has a little bit less action than your Rage trailers and those types of things. But let's talk to the folks a little bit, real quick, about what makes that DB Crawl different. You know, what separates this trailer of flipping bait from uh, others that are on the market?
3: Well, uh, the DB Crawl is the hardest problem. Project I've ever got involved in was striking. Uh, I just wanted something that would, had a subtler action than what the rage crawl had for uh, flipping and pitching in cold water. In other words, kind of a marriage between uh, a rage crawl and a tube to kind of fill the gap there when they didn't want that no nothing look and they didn't want that wild look of uh, the Rage Crawl. So that's what started the process. And working with one of the designers at Strike, I didn't think this would be a tough project, but it literally took us a year to get this bait to where I was happy with it. And part of the problem is in order to get that shimmy type action, you got to be real careful about the bait robbing water to where it won't work at all. There's a fine line with what you do with the little ridges on the pinchers and all that. And man, when we finally got it right, I was probably the happiest camper in the world. And we took the bait down to Falcon to film a show on it. And we ended up getting a tremendous show. I think our best side weighed like 35, 36 pounds for the day and really caught a lot of fish. And the unique thing was we could not catch him on anything else. They wanted that subtle type action. It was a January filming event. The water was cold. And that was literally the only bait we could get them to eat. And the next day, we went back out. I took the cameraman. And he tried catching them on all kinds of other baits. He never had a bite, and I caught like 45 fish on the DB Cross. So it's a a tremendous bait. It's not only a good bait to flip a Texas rig where nothing's robbing the water from it, it's a tremendous bait to Carolina rig. It's probably the only bait that I Carolina rig down here on these deeper lakes. I mean, it's just tremendous that way.
0: That's great stuff. I actually had some success, Aaron, with this bait that Denny's talking about, the DB Crawl, last year at Lake Douglas. I cashed a check over there and and flipping it to the hardwoods. So uh, not just great at Falcon, but certainly out in East Tennessee and, and probably everywhere else in the country. But, hey, guys, it's time to take a short break. Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Oh, oh.
1: If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Brake Best Select, and Wagner Thermo Quiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day.
2: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stick around and later in the show, you just might hear some Bass Edge bloopers. I know it's hard to believe, but Aaron and Kurt make a mistake once in a while. Okay, well, it happens a lot, actually. Back to the show. You're listening to Bass
1: Edge. Bass Edge Radio presented by Megaware Keelguard with Major League Fishing Pro Angler Denny Brower in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works.
0: Well, guys, we started to touch a little bit on flipping last segment. Denny, you mentioned the tube. You won the MLF in New York flipping a tube. I, I got to be honest, I can't remember the last time I flipped a tube. And I got to say, there's probably lots of bassers out there that don't even have flipping tubes in their boat. What conditions are you looking for to have success flipping tubes?
3: Well, there can be a lot of conditions, but obviously, uh, the spawning season is probably one that comes to everybody's mind. The tube just can emulate so many things. It can emulate a bass fish a a little crawfish it's kind of a a more subtle presentation of what a big bulky jig is and uh, a lot of times when they're getting a lot of fishing pressure it'll be a bait that i go to Uh, one of the reasons i went to it in the major league fishing event the fish were up underneath boat docks and there's not a better bait that'll skip than a tube skipping it up underneath boat docks and of course the striking flipping tube is a bait that goes all the way back to 98 when i was fortunate enough to win the classic on a tube there was no such thing as a flipping tube. They were just single wall tubes. They were shorter. They would slide down your hook. Uh, it was hard to get a flipping hook in one. They just weren't designed for the technique. So I sat down with uh, the engineers and I said, we need to have a solid head in this thing, just like a plastic worm, where it won't slide down the hook. And that turned into quite a project. But well, we finally got that done. And then we lengthened the length of the bait itself so that you can take a four-odd or 5 lock flipping hook and rig in the thing. I the must-add tube hook in it, and it just makes a nice, compact presentation to the fish. And when fishing conditions are tough, or if you're on a fishery or there's not a lot of big fish, it can be a bait that's just going to get you a lot of bites.
1: Boy, well, you're talking my language now, Denny, and, of course, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of time spent on the lake that you lived on for so many years, Lake of the Ozarks, and it was almost like back right. in the day, if
3: if you didn't have a tube on to flip boat docks, I mean, uh, you, you weren't going to catch them. No, that's very, very true. And the green pumpkin color, for some reason, the, you know, in the springtime, especially if you put a little chartreuse on the tail, I think does such a good job of emulating the bluegill, which is their number one enemy as far as pestering the fish when they are trying to bed. They just absolutely hate it. You really generate a lot of strikes.
1: You know, the, the mechanics of, of flipping and pitching, and perhaps you could distinguish just a little bit between those two. They're simple, yet man, they take a lot of time. It seems like to master, and and those of us who can do it effective and, and efficiently, it's almost like it comes second nature. But yet for a new person trying to for them to pick that up it can be a little cumbersome what are a few tips that you can provide the novice flipper or pitcher to actually craft that skill
3: well those are techniques they can obviously practice in their backyard before they even get to the lake but the biggest thing is to get set up correctly with equipment get your rod and reel that you're comfortable with and learn to utilize the right length of line more than anything else that's where people really get into trouble and the flipping technique itself is kind of a fixed piece of line that you're working with and the technique is designed for fishing extremely close to cover. So in other words, it's a technique you employ if the water's muddy or if you've got matted cover like uh, matted grass or something that you're off the bait down through. Otherwise, if you're uh, fishing boat docks and stumps and bushes and isolated targets, the pitching technique is probably better to use. But in the flipping technique, you basically hold the rod up, you grab the line above the reel and you pull it out to the side. Your Arm length, so to speak, and when you get that arm length of line out there, holding the rod straight up, the lure should be about even with the rod. So that's the piece of line that you're going to be working with. And then you just let the line kind of flow through your rod as you make the underhand presentation. Your hand will come back to the reel, and uh, you've got the reel engaged. So you've got that working piece of line, and you're never really adjusting the length of the line. You're just keeping your boat that same distance from the cover, and you're going along just making several drops and. You can be so efficient, you get a good hook set. You can feel the bites good because you're fishing close. The number of fish you land usually goes up. I think that's something anglers need to keep in mind. The closer you fish to fish, the easier it is to catch and land fish. The further away you fish from fish, if you make extremely long casts, then it all gets more difficult. But the pitch is the same way, except if you don't have the handful of line. If you hold the rod straight up, uh, the lure should be even with the reel. Grab the back of the lure and just swing the rod, uh, make up. with and sweep, and you'll learn to let go of that lure at the correct time. And on both techniques, the lure is going to stay low to the water. You can swing it up underneath cover. It makes a real soft presentation. And uh, you're using heavy line, 25-pound uh, fluorocarbon or, uh, you know, braided line, 60-pound-plus test, and you really horse the fish out of the cover. That's what
0: I love about flipping and pitching. It's like combat. You jam them, and they're just right there, and it's just game on. It's you and the fish and your equipment, and who's toughest, who's strongest, You who can make it happen. So uh, it's definitely an exciting technique to fish. You mentioned in the past to me before, Denny, that you've been fortunate to win with a lot of techniques throughout your career. But then of course, as we discussed earlier, you really dialed in and knew the way to win or the way you really felt like putting your best position to win would be flipping and pitching a jig and working those types of techniques. If you were fishing the tour again today with all the new techniques and styles available, you know, swim baits have come a long way, a lot of great techniques you know, huge top water baits, a lot of stuff out there. Is there a better way if you're an upcoming angler and you need to win than flipping and pitching, or do you just go back and you do the same thing you've been doing for the last, you know, I don't know, 25, 30 years?
3: Yeah, I really wouldn't change anything, Kurt. I kind of look at it that uh, you need to learn all techniques. You need to learn how to fish all new lures that come out, because there's going to be a time and a place for them. Successful fishing determines when to do the time and the place, so to speak. And you can't force flipping and pitching. Uh, I've always looked at a tournament when I went into it, What's the schedule is going to determine, you know, what techniques you're going to be fishing in tournaments before they ever take place a lot of times. What's the lake condition? Uh, You know, is it muddy? Is it high? If it's like that, gosh, there's a good chance I can get out the old flipping stick. Uh, If it's low and clear, I'm probably going to have to use some other technique. Some bodies of water just aren't near as conducive for certain techniques as other ones are analyze the conditions, analyze the lake, analyze the schedules going in and uh, do what you think you need to do to win. There's a lot of tournaments I never ever got a flipping stick out of the rod locker. And then there were some tournaments I never used anything else but a flipping stick. So I always looked at trying to win the event. Gosh, if we went to Lake Erie, you know, I was going to have to get a spinning rod out and a drop shot because I knew that's how the event was going to be won. And I never ever wanted to put myself in a tournament not trying to win. Nice. Good stuff.
0: Denny, it's time for the o'reilly auto parts better parts better prices every day listener question segment we give away a hundred dollars to a bass edge listener that we choose their question to be heard on the show Today, we received a question from Brandy, and she hails from Montgomery, Alabama. Brandy asks, I really enjoy catching fish on topwaters. I have good success in the morning and evenings, although topwater fishing seems to have a very small window that the bass like it. How can I continue getting topwater action throughout the day?
3: Well you really need to throw it to the bottom line. Uh you've got that early morning window and that late window because of low light conditions. And a lot of times the fish will be shallow, they'll be active, they'll be loose from cover and you'll get a lot of top water strikes. But once the sun comes up, uh that bite dies and a lot of people think it's gone for the day. It's the same deal with a lot of other lures other than top water. A lot of times you have a law that'll let's say kick in at eight o'clock and go to ten o'clock or fishing is tough, and then that midday bite really kicks in again. And I've had tremendous luck on topwaters, whether it's buzz baits or chuggers or whatever, throwing them in the middle of the day, but you key on certain things. You key on either uh, you know, shade, which can be very important during the summertime to catch the fish, a canopy type cover, skipping frogs up underneath overhanging trees, throwing frogs around lily pads in them, um, matted hydrilla and things like that. So you got to look at what each lake has to offer, what your topwater opportunities are. But man, some of the biggest fish I've ever caught on topwater have been in the middle of the day, not early and late. That's good
1: advice right there. And Denny, I certainly know you well enough. I think one piece to add for Brandy is that only difference is you had the discipline to stick with it and to throw it and keep exploring it. And it goes back to what you said earlier of, of really learning how to stick with that. And that's what practice is used for you know don't wait until the tournament to to figure that out get out there and commit to it and try it so brandy Great question, and congratulations for having it chosen to be answered on the show. Please send us an email letting us know you heard it answered on this episode of Bass Edge Radio by Denny Brower, and we will send you that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card.
0: Of course, everybody remember to keep sending in those questions for a chance to receive the next $100 gift card in the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. Questions and comments should come through our email address, support at BassEdge.com, or our Facebook page and Twitter handle at Bass Edge. Remember to include your name and hometown.
1: Well, Denny, as always, it was uh, certainly a pleasure to reconnect with you again today
3: here on Bass Edge Radio.
1: Any closing remarks before we shut this down?
3: I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate what you're doing to help make your listeners better anglers. There's nothing better than education. It'll put more fish in the boat.
0: Denny, thanks for chatting us with us this morning. I'll be sure to see you later on at the ramp. Bass Edge Radio will return after this message.
2: Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Well,
1: Kurt, nothing like having the legendary Denny Brower to give us a absolute schooling on jig fishing. Dude, you are exactly
0: right. You know, we're kind of going down memory lane this whole month of February. It seems like we had Harold Allen on the, uh, February 1st episode. Now Denny Brower on the February 15th episode. It's just, uh, you know, it's fun to talk to guys that have been around for a long time, know exactly where it's come from. And fortunately for these guys, they know where it's going. I mean, they, they just got the goods. They're professionals and, and, and make it happen and been so successful because it's just, it's in their nature man they just well
1: and, and that's that's why they're successful fishing is about Adaption. It's about making decisions. And Denny kind of alluded to that in his interview. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like knowing when to make that decision or that switch or that change or stick with what you're doing. And, you know, I want to throw out there and just kind of reemphasize concerning Denny Brower and jig fishing. Don't forget, we have a, a whole slew of quick tips out there, but one in particular is the ones that Denny Brower did with us specific to jig fishing. And certainly listeners can find those either on YouTube or go to bassedge.com and, and get keyed in on that.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I. I think we'll have to share those uh, tips that we had back in the day on our Facebook page and Twitter and those kind of things. And Bass Edge Nation, let me remind you, stay in touch, stay in tune. Please comment, send in those listener questions through our Facebook page and Twitter. There's no other place that you can get this kind of information in this setting. Just let us know what you want to hear, what you want to do with Bass Edge Radio. This show is mostly yours and a lot less ours because it's all about the fans, all about the listeners, and, and, of course, Bass Edge. Nation. I got to say that Denny Brower, I've been fortunate to uh, get to know him pretty close since he moved down here to Del Rio several years ago. And uh, there is not a guy that is more humble, has more composure. He's just a great figure for the sport of bass fishing. Great having him on the show today. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, it's time to shut this thing down. You know, we've had a lot of fun here in February. I'm sure we're going to have much more fun and continued fun in March. Fishing season is around the corner for now. Thank you, Bass Edge Nation. Thank you for Matt, Steve, all the guys behind the scenes here at Bass Edge Radio. We'll see you next time right here on Bass Edge Radio. It's time for our O'Reilly part. Right. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but then I just quit. The Edge
2: is presented by Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lance, PowerPole, and RapaHolic.com.